Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome. To the Dirty Sports Podcast, I am your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host via Los Angeles, California, Joey Nochilprino. Hello, Andy. Give you a good long intro this time, bud. Yeah, Michael Buffer. I'm trying. Mix it up a little. How's everything there in outer Cincinnati? It's good, man. Uh, beautiful. I guess we're in the winter. Beautiful, beautiful day today. Yesterday, I, I helped my aunt, my 74-year-old aunt, with, with leaves with my uncle and my other aunt, you know, just doing, just doing those type of things, man. Yeah. We, we had, I know you saw it on Twitter the other day, it was right after our episode on Monday, like step outside and it's 88 degrees. We had, we had one of those hot California, random hot California days. Can we address yeah, this? Yeah, let's just get to the meat of this. Get to the meat of? It, like your beef with the Midwest, Joe. I am now currently a Midwest resident. I was born I know. And raised I, I mean, here. I, I, thought, I thought you were going to be my, you know, my double agent, my bond, my like undercover, you know, because I mean, you, didn't, you didn't adjust to quality of life that quickly. And I know you're not just spending every day riding around on a riding mower in your Crocs going to Applebee's. Well, remember, it was this summer where I saw the different side. It, it wasn't right. – obviously, I've had a lot of personal things which have affected me, uh, but it was the three months home this summer where I saw the peace, the calm, the different side of things. Obviously, you get the good well, and the bad. Yeah. Essentially, the – you know. <clears throat> Most of, my tweet, most, of my tweets, most of my tweets, as you know, are essentially subtweets to people I see, people I know, people whatever. And I know that you're not this guy because you lived here. And maybe you have, look, maybe you've become this guy in your short time back in Cincinnati. But like the, the people on the internet who you know have never once stepped foot in California, probably because, you know, they're... They don't have the money after spending their fucking, you know, Applebee's waiter money on a $400,000 house that they can, you know, mow the lawn in, uh, that they're going, oh, yeah, fucking socialist California where humans shit on the streets and every day you, you get punched in the face the second you walk out your door by Gavin Newsom, who somehow is like Santa Claus outside everybody's house. He punches you in the face. And he takes his tax money and he goes and he eats at a fancy French restaurant because he doesn't care. It's like, guys, Calif like the, the whole like socialist California, like uh, we should we should chop California off and let those socialists secede. Oh, OK. You want a third of the United States fucking economy to fall off the face of the planet? But but as California, as a California, let let me say we would happily secede. As a Cal California would be fine on its own with all every techno tech company in the world 
in our place and you with Applebee's. But see, this is where I disagree. I, I think I think the numbers don't lie. The amount of businesses that are leaving, uh, the amount of failed policies, and and this, you know, I had this sentiment before I even left. Um, I, I think what's so amazing about the state of California, number one, I think we'd both agree, is the natural beauty. There is no state like California from the oceans to the mountains to the national parks. It is just a absolutely amazing state. I think the problem is a lot of these failed policies and, and you're seeing it and, I, and, it's, and it's not just California and it's not just Los Angeles in a lot of these cities, in my opinion. And uh, I will be curious to see what happens in the next five, 10 years, because you know, I think a lot of people are, basically what you do is you weigh your options, right? And I think a lot of people are doing that. Um, and it's like, I always tell people here, you know, my neighbor across the street was like, oh, this must be just so awful for you as far as like adjusting to the suburban life. And I said, look, man, the grass is always greener. Like there are things I love about Los Angeles, Venice Beach. There's things I love about here. It's, it's just a matter of perspective and a balance. Right, it's just- And, and that's it, all, that's it, all the, I wanna say to people. The bottom line is, and, and I'll just say it straight up, I think the majority of the country wishes they could live here. They don't, and they have created in a fantasy land what they think happens out here I, in terms of like, you, the bottom line is, I don't get taxed anymore in California than I would like. Think about the regular you, person. You do. Though. Think about the, yeah, but not, but by, by how much? A couple hundred dollars a year? A couple thousand? No, like, because. Because the Andy, what what do we make? This, I, I, First of all, I, I know, you're, Joe, you're in you're in Ohio. You're not you don't live in a state income tax free. No, I know, but whatever. sales tax. I mean, it really does add up. It it really adds up. It really adds up if you're no, if you're a millionaire. That's no. the thing. It's like if no, you Joe, use you, a when, punch card, if you use a punch card to get your coffee every week to buy nine get the tenth free. Don't worry about Biden's tax plan. It doesn't affect you. You're poor. Well, well, yeah. That's the bottom line. The, the Biden tax plan is one thing because that's more of $400,000 or more. Uh, but I, I would say, I actually, I, I don't agree with you. I think a lot of people might not want to live there. People who do make some money. And and, and and here's what I just said to somebody on the internet the other day. He's like, ask all the people that leave. Well, I could. It would certainly be a lot easier than asking the 39.15 million people who stayed. It's it's a no-brainer. It's literally a tax on a way of life. You get all this stuff, you pay for it. That's the way everything fucking works. Why are things cheaper in places where no one wants to be? Because no one wants to be there. That's it's called supply and demand. Well, that's part of it, but you again, you guys are overpaying for your house. It's like it's called market price. You know, the the price of the price of a lobster is fresher and better in Maine. And it's cheaper. Why? Because they're in Maine. They got a fucking lot of lobsters. You go to Ohio, your lobster is going to cost more, even though it's from Maine. Do you guys get supply and demand? Yeah, but, but and I'm just so sick of like butt hurt people fucking mowing their lawns, shoveling their snow, going like, how's the human shit in your, on your doorstep? I, I, I never see it. Well, ever. look, Joe. Can I give you some advice? Can I give you some, some friend and co-host advice right now? Mm -hmm. Just ignore them. Like, like, no, I'm, because, I, I, because you the know funny my thing, thing is I get you know it my thing too. Is to not ignore them. 
I know, but I get it too. I get DMs now that I've left as far as like this and that. And, and I think I have pretty good perspective, right? Like, oh, just, I bet you're so happy. And it's like, I am happy that I don't got to deal with crackheads and homeless and shit on the sidewalk. But I also love the beach and the right. weather. And so you like, could, yeah, so you could have moved to Redondo at any time you wanted. So like I said, you, you know, there's a give and take with everything in life. And, and I want everybody who's listening, and obviously we're going to jump to sports, uh, just to think about that. Look, there's a give and take in everything. I have a lot more space now. I also am going to have a winter. You know what I'm saying? Like, so th- there's a give and take. My advice to everyone is just do what makes you happy. Life is fucking I, my, short. My, my thing is, you know, you know the saying, don't throw stones if you live in a gra- glass house. Don't throw shit if you work on a feedlot. I mean, the amount of fucking people, you're, you're shoveling manure for a living and you're, and you're worried about me having to avoid a homeless person taking one shit on a street. Guy, I'm going to be okay. Enjoy the fucking feedlot. But, but don't even worry about them, Joe. No, I, and I do. I don't. I, I think about them when I'm enjoying a margarita on the beach and I go, yeah, I'd like to remind them of that. Maybe whoever will see it when he gets off of work, literally shoving manure, shoveling manure. See, trust me. Work. Trust me. We're okay out here, guys. And, and guess what? It, it for sure is a socialist, like garbage sit, state. Don't, whatever you do, don't bring your fat, pasty, never get vitamin D, never exercise asses out here. Don't come. We don't want you. It's so funny. You just cut out in the middle of that rant. It's almost, it's almost perfect that you would, we would lose Joe in the middle of a anti-Midwest rant. And that face, which is stuck right now on YouTube, says it all. Are you there, buddy? I'm here. Well, my thing just said, would, would that be for you or me? Your internet connection is unstable, which would make no you, sense. You, you froze on me for a second. Okay, so you froze on me. And I, I was talking, which was pretty funny. Uh, all right. That that was perfect. That was literally my Midwest internet saying a big yeah. F you to you, Joe Prano. Now, you're wearing a Knicks sweatshirt. I am. The Knicks are back, baby. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I NBA can't even dra- say that with, with a straight face. NBA draft last night. We can start off with your Knicks because your Knicks are always hotly discussed. Oh, wow. Okay. Or do you not want to discuss them? No, yeah. No, we can, we can talk about my Knicks. I mean – I'll say this. Look, as a as a New York sports fan, everybody knows me. I'm a Knicks, Mets, Giants fan. I don't care for hockey, although I've heard the Rangers have, you know, the number one pick and lots of cap room and things looking up. So maybe I'll get into hockey soon. But you can't. We we've I've been in a down state for a long time. Obviously, the Mets had a nice run in 2015. The Giants won a Super Bowl, you know, almost 10 years ago now. Um, but for the last few years of uh, the last decade, basically across the board, my sports teams have been a nightmare. Uh, the Mets have a new owner that's changing everything. Very excited about it. It's already happening. The giants look like they're have some sort of at least foundation built. You know, they've, they've at least dug a hole in the ground and have started to put down, put in a basement. 
and we'll worry if a house comes out on top of that. So things are headed in the right direction with everybody but, of course, the New York Knicks, who, much like my Mets, have a, ha, had, the Knicks still have a massive ownership problem. And no matter what happens in the, happened in this draft, the bottom line is the New York Knicks hired Tom Thibodeau in 2020. Why didn't they just hire? I mean, you know, it's the equivalent of the Giants hiring Bill Parcells. Like, it's over. Thibodeau, the league has passed Thibodeau by. I think it's still, I think it's a terrible hire. I don't think it'll work out. And honestly, I don't even know what your like what is your game plan if you're in the Knicks. Now, that being said, they drafted Obi Toppin out of Dayton at eight. Dayton. Everybody, Dayton. Everybody's upset. You know, uh, the the talking heads. Stephen A. Smith's upset. I just don't know how you don't take a playmaking god, the Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, the the mecca, the capital of basketball, and you're gonna throw it down to the post to OB Topper? I just don't agree. I don't know why the Knicks didn't draft Magic Johnson at a Michigan State. It's like, I don't know who Stephen A. Smith wanted the Knicks to draft. (laughs) Like Tyler Halliburton's blowing the roof off of Madison Square Garden. First of all, um, what I like about the OB Toppin pick, besides obviously he's Naismith Player of the Year. uh, From Bushwick. Yeah, he's a New Yorker. He played high school ball in Osning, which is up in the 914, 914 life. Um, he's excited. He's crying about the fact that he gets to come home and be a Nick. As far as qualities you want for a New York Knicks draft pick, actually wanting to be a Nick has to be pretty high at this Good point. Good point. I mean, I still disagree with the idea that we had to trade Porzingis for dog shit because Porzingis wanted to leave. But if you are in that camp, then drafting a guy who's not going to want to leave has to be as important as wingspan and leaping ability and post moves and whatever, or else you're just saying, let's just keep drafting guys. who are going to leave. He's 22 years old. The, the track record of guys coming out of college that, that late isn't very good lately. Um, but what it tends to mean is that the, the floor is a little higher and the ceiling is a little lower that you probably have a good idea already of what he's going to be as opposed to, you know, a freak younger athlete who you can say the sky's the limit. All, you know, all we ever hear from Jay Billis is upside, upside, upside. So um, I think he'll just be kind of a stable piece he wants to be in New York. And, and mostly the thing is, I, I think the Knicks drafting somebody who's less likely to be a bust is a great play at this point because all the Knicks do is draft busts, draft people who want to leave, et cetera. I also don't think Tom Thibodeau, who probably won't last as Knicks coach, needs project players. So I'm fine with it. I think it was um, – a, per, a particularly weak draft, um, and we yeah. can get we can move back we can move back to the top. 
but I, I obviously don't know a ton about college basketball and everything I do know about college basketball. I learned from watching the March madness immediately prior to the draft. So I know nothing about any of these guys. Um, but from all accounts, this is like, there was not like last year, there's three superstars or three potential superstars, and then it falls off. And there wasn't that in this draft. No one knew who the first, second, or third pick was going to be until they happened. So I'm fine with the Knicks draft. I'm more worried long-term, big picture about the Knicks for a lot of other reasons. Well, I think that's you know, a thing we're all dealing with as we watch this unfold, at least guys like me and you who aren't diehard college basketball. And even if you were – your point is very accurate with no March madness. You don't really get to see how these guys do in crunch time or when the most pressure is on the line. So I, 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 this is unlike any draft I think we've ever seen. And obviously you do have a lot of foreign players. Um, I mean, the truth is even like these top few draft picks, I didn't really, watch a lot of these guys right like like i can't tell you about edwards and i know wiseman only played a few games and obviously ball played overseas but you know i don't know like i actually don't really even have much of a say because it's kind of like well we'll see how it plays out and to be totally honest with you like the draft is such a crapshoot in general when you do have those guys who play those games and when you have like when's besides the guys who you know everybody says are no-brainers it, it almost feels like even the experts when there's all the games and the whatever they don't really know so like the idea that anybody's going to tell me what i should think about these guys based on the limited amount of time that they saw them play and the fact that there was no march madness is just like i just don't buy into any of it now i i think that as far as basketball talent evaluating goes like if i had watched these guys play a ton of games yeah i'd have a thing but like where would i have even done that you know what i mean like you have to be a guy who's essentially a scout to be like i'm gonna watch all of georgia's games and all these overseas games and whatever yeah and you can you see you can see in three minutes of john morant highlights that he's a freak you don't need to watch murray state yeah murray state yeah so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I mean, I think what's been more interesting from a draft standpoint is this sort of new approach to the draft, everybody using it as – I mean, I feel like more trades are happening than ever. Um, I feel like teams are way more uh, willing to give up draft picks. And, you know, obviously tons of moves happened around the draft this week. Um, in, in terms of trying to set up teams to, to win. Yeah. Do you want to go over some of those trades or some of the trades that you like, dislike? I mean, yeah, I, uh, cause obviously there I, was a lot of transactions and I don't, you know, I don't want to do a recap of right. trades or yeah, we, we, yeah, obviously, obviously the standouts being, uh, the, the Bucks move, uh, for Drew holiday. They gave up a lot. Uh, they gave up a lot. I, I can't say I agree at all with this theory that um, 
first round, late first round draft picks are worthless, essentially. Uh, to me, I think that this is some reckless new math. Uh, and also, I just think the idea of first round, uh, the idea that Drew Holiday is worth three first rounders and pick swaps is reckless. Now, I'm not saying you can't make a splash and say, Drew Holiday makes us better. Drew Holiday keeps Giannis here. Let's give up more than we need to to get him. I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. Like, we got to do what we got to do. We have to, you know, it's like it's like bidding on a house. Like, you have to make a bid higher than what you think somebody else's bid is going to be if you want it, not necessarily what you think the value is. So I'm fine with the Bucks sort of overbidding for Drew Holiday. But don't defend it by saying – Every pick outside the top seven in the NBA draft is worthless. They're all second round picks then. Because I've got news for you. Without a score at the 15th overall pick, the Bucs aren't a contender right now. The Bucs are in no position. That's where they got Giannis. They got him at 15th. So the idea that you can't get a game changer late in the draft, especially late in the first round. I mean, look at the heat. Like, where was Tyler Hero picked? Was he like know. fifth, fifth overall? Like, I don't remember him being, and, and look, I could be wrong. I'm just saying Giannis is a great example. They picked him 15th. So stop with this. Uh, if it's, you know, once you get past the fourth pick, it's, it's Zion, Ja, and RJ Barrett. And then basically they're all second rounders after that. It's like, it's just not true. Hero was the 13th pick overall. Yeah. So we're talking about picks in the teens that are already like that guy was picked last year in the teens. Yeah. Um, he's already contributing. So I, I think it was a lot to spend and um, I, I certainly hope it works out for them. Like it'd be nice for the bucks to actually be competitive. I think Drew holiday does make them better. Um, but you look at the Pelicans and you look at uh, OKC who obviously just did a huge deal and got, picks back for Chris Paul from Phoenix stockpiling draft picks. I think I read that the thunder have 12 first rounders in the next six years. Like you will get better fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the Celtics. I think we, we forget the short term memory. Ainge really stockpiled picks. Remember when they traded their big three and yeah. they turned it around in a, pretty quick pace um i do think it's interesting that Lamelo ball is going to michael jordan's team right <laughs> i mean look the That's michael jordan marriage right there the michael jordan being the michael jordan of terrible basketball owners is awesome you know if you're if you're a michael jordan truther and you're a Michael Jordan, like, you know, people always love to go, uh, Michael said, MJ said he'd take Kobe over LeBron. Well, I guess it's LeBron then, because this guy stinks at being a basketball executive. I, I, I am not like a LaMelo Ball hater. I didn't obviously watch a ton of LaMelo Ball. I didn't want the Knicks to end up with LaMelo Ball. I just think his dad and New York and all that is like just a little too much. But I got to say, if you were rooting for LaMelo Ball, could he have ended up a worse place? 
than Michael Jordan's team. Then Charlotte. Then, then Charlotte. Yeah. I, will, I, I don't know. Will LaMelo Ball be on the Charlotte Hornets in five years? No way. He'll either be out of the league or he'll be, he'll either be so bad he's gone or he'll be good enough that somebody wants him. I think, I think a follow-up question to that is, will the Charlotte Hornets in the next five years make the second round of the playoffs? I'll bet that the Charlotte Hornets don't make the first round of the playoffs. You're saying no playoff appearances in the next five years. Correct. Unless they get like a play in. I don't know what's happening with the NBA playoffs. It's like, oh, they played a 9-8 game. Yeah. Well, obviously, Jordan, since he took over control, they're like the worst team up yeah, there. They're the worst. In, you mean in professional sports? Across well, the four. No. Yes. Are they? Yeah, they're, they're up there with the worst winning percentage in professional, major professional sports. It's that bad. Yeah. And, and you know, that's like if you put in Charlotte Hornets, Charlotte, like the, the, basically the Bobcats franchise. Because wow. obviously the, the yeah, Hornets are different. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know when this was posted. Since Jordan took over the Bobcats, the Hornets have lost. Oh, this was posted uh, this year, May 20th. Since Michael Jordan became involved in the decision-making, so basically from the top, uh, the Hornets have lost 58.4% of their games. 464 and 651. Pretty bad. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize it was that bad. I mean, you are. I actually right. didn't. I, I didn't think it was that good. I thought I thought they'd lost like sixty five percent of their games. Still, you're losing fifty eight percent of your games plus. Yeah, that's that's not good. Now, I want to talk about the Warriors for a minute. Yeah, they, they draft Wiseman, who, by all accounts, is probably something they need as far as a skilled center who can play defense, who can rebound. He's got, I think, a pretty high ceiling to what he can do offensively. But this Clay Thompson thing, man. Well, I have been uh, golfing with Laz the last couple of days, and that's uh, there's definitely some dirty sports tea to spill on the Tug Coker Andy Laz golf pairings that we can get to later on. But uh, get, get to it now. What's, what's the get way? to it now? Well, uh, well, let let me let me talk about his Warriors first because we have basically been running through the last couple of days. We, we'll often ride together. We ride together in his car or in my car to the the. Uh, the golf course. And then we often ride together in, uh, in the golf cart. We do two guys, one cart. Um, and great so born, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a whole, and by the way, the, the Joe Laz cart pairing is also part of the drama, uh, which again, I'll just tease out, but we talk, we've been talking a lot about what the, uh, warriors are going to do. I've been, I've been trying to sell, him on a lot of trades with the Knicks, which obviously did not come to uh, fruition. But basically what we had agreed on the whole time was, obviously, it seems too obvious not to trade the second pick to somebody who wants to be up that high and get pieces to surround Steph and Clay returning from injury and, and basically the reformation of Steph, Clay, and Dre 
And but I don't know. I don't know if that was their plan until literally yesterday yeah. when Clay re-injures himself. But it seemed obvious to me that that's how you get back to being a contender right away, which is how often is a team that's got, uh, you know, a, a championship foundation have the second pick to play sure. with. So yeah. that seemed obvious. But then yesterday when the reports come out that Clay gets hurt, I'm like, he's very, they're very clearly going to have to spend that pick on their best available player at their spot now, because now you don't know if you have Clay. Well, if he tore his Achilles, which is what the reports are saying, he's not going to play again, which is right. I mean, that's heartbreaking. Just, to, just not even for a Warriors, but for a basketball, if you're a fan of basketball, yeah, because Clay's a good guy. And he's one of the best and, shooters of all time. And you want to see him yep. out there and you want to see him on the court. And Arguable, been, arguably the second best shooter of all time. We're, yeah. We're right out there in the, top, in the top three. Yeah. And, and if he misses a second season in a row, that's just that's not good for the sport at all. It's not good for the league. I agree. So I agree. heartbreaking news to hear that he injured himself in like a pickup game in LA or something. But I think you're right. I think probably what they did was – they had to reevaluate their draft on draft day after this injury happened. And then they take Wiseman and obviously the West is so loaded. And, and, and that he is even, even with clay. I mean, I think of all the players in the draft and obviously again, we didn't get to see him for very long, but what, what everybody tells you he is, is exactly what the Warriors are missing. They don't have, uh, any sort of scoring from the post. They don't have any, you know, any interior defense. They don't have any rebounding. You know, l- obviously they mortgage a lot of people, like they mortgaged last season with Steph and Clay going out and, and Durant leaving. And they go to, you know, being a, a lottery team essentially on purpose slash out of, because what else are they going to do? But they let the JaVale McGee's go and the, you know, these yeah. guys that could have, that could have helped them um, in those, in those roles go because why pay those guys to be, you know, then you're just the Knicks. You're paying a guy, a bunch of guys to rebound your bricks. Like uh, they didn't need it. So that is where their holes are. And he, he fits their holes. And uh, so talk wow. about porn. Got he really, their, really pornographic there. He fills their holes pretty, pretty well. Wow, still really pornographic yeah. there. Fits in the, fit in the holes, fill in the holes. Get, got any more hole metaphors for me? Yeah, two guys, one cart. <laughs> <clears throat> Which is, Joe, I think, I think Laz and I might have to start a YouTube show called Two Guys, One Cart, where we just spill a lot of golf drama from two, two comedians golfing. So what's happening on the golf course? What's this drama, this dirty sports in-house drama? So there's I'll, – I'll, I'll describe it the way I described it yesterday, and I'll tell you Tug's immediate reaction, which also set off a lot of fire alarms, which is I said there's a blossoming – I said this on one of the tee boxes yesterday. I said there's a blossoming Tug-Laz rivalry to which Tug kind of got, like, mad and was like, there is no rivalry. And I was like, oh. And that kind of, like, I think set Laz off as well. So there's just, like, you know, Laz is ba- – I think Laz is basically doing to Tug what Laz likes to do to you, like, with the with the Arizona thing. Like, he's just, like, 
kind of nagging on him and like oh, yeah. He, a, he, he, yeah. Well, here's what Laz is. He, he's the type of guy who just keeps picking at that scab. And eventually that scab is going to reopen and you're going to see yeah. blood. That's what Laz does. So you, you know how Laz kept, kept going with the allegedly about your about the the spring training thing and that would like really set you off well, yeah now his thing how he flooded the entire airbnb he, house he didn't he didn't do this to tug yesterday but this is his catchphrase that he's workshopping for this and i i, I feel bad revealing this because you know i think he wanted to come on the show and reveal it himself but i think he's workshopping tug is a cheater tug is Ooh. a golf cheater, which bold is claim bold claim i mean bold claim Donald Trump is responsible for a lot of terrible things, but I think one of the biggest claims against him is he's a golf cheater. I mean, you're basically putting that's Kim Jong Un category. Yeah, you're putting Tug into a Kim Jong Un Donald Trump, Kim Jong Un Donald Trump Tug Coker, crazy pool to mix people with. But that's a threesome I've watched, by the way. Essentially, what happened is uh, Laz Tug and myself and one of Tug's friends go out and golf. Uh, a couple weeks ago and um we play this game called escalation sensation where like on every par three you bet a couple bucks and we and we were betting we were teamed up me and laz were playing and uh and tug and his buddy were playing and then separate from that laz one and i whenever we play together play this game on the par threes that's every man for himself right so we get to one and Tug's like, yeah, I'm not participating in this. I don't know what's going on. I don't want a part of Escalation Sensation. And Laz is like, what the fuck, dude? I thought we were all here having fun, gambling. And Tug was like really plant, keeping his hand on his purse. You know, he didn't. He was like, I don't know what this is. I'm not involved. And Laz is like, all right, whatever. And then on the fourth of the part of threes, Tug's like, oh, I'll get involved now. And then he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You in? You out? What's happening? So after that round, Tug calls me. He's like, hey, Laz is like really competitive. I was like, Laz has literally nothing happening. And like the guy is the manager of a men's league baseball team. And that's currently on, you know, off season. Like he's just looking for action. He's not super competitive. He just wants to gamble. So I feel like I calm everything down. We go out a couple days ago and we, uh, we are playing and Laz and I, the first time a tugs team wins, no doubt about it. Second time yesterday, two days ago, we go out, uh, Laz and I win and, and tug introduces some separate game for everybody. And like during the course of the game, during the course of the round, Tug's like, we're going to put a moratorium on that game. We're playing too slow. We can't play this, blah, blah, blah. So after the round, we're all paying, Tug's team wins, so we're paying out Tug. And Laz is like, yo, what about that game? Like your boy should pay for that. He lost. And Tug's like, well, I mean, I put a moratorium on this. And he's like, Tug, you're introducing games. Then when you're, you and your team are losing, you're pulling the games away. You're getting into games late. What's happening? seems very, very cheating golf style. So Tug's buddy ends up paying, paying his losses. And, and Laz gives him like, a, you're a good egg. That's the right thing to do. So yesterday, Tug shows up, new guy. His other guy, out. So it's me and Laz, and now Tug's brought in a new guy. And the new guy is way better at golf. And I'm clearly the worst golfer of the four of us. So I'm like, well, in my head, if I'm the worst and Tug's the best, maybe it should be Tug and I paired together yeah. and, Laz and, the, and Laz and the other guy. 
that would make it even, right? And Tug's like, it's me and this, me and this guy, you and Laz. And I'm like, okay. And then they just kick our ass. And there's a lot of like, you know, Tug likes to show up real late to the tee box. He gets there in 7.59 for 8 a.m. tee box. We can't figure out any of these bets or whatever. We just go off. And then mid-round, Tug just goes, you guys play really slow. And that's when the shit hit the fan. I, Laz and I must have mentioned that we play really slow to Tug like 25 times after that because I was like, we play really slow. Because Tug's the kind of guy who like lines up every putt, has a look at it from another angle, has an artist's rendering of the putt so he can look at it in 3D. Like this guy, he takes his time on some putts. And he accused us of playing really slow. And just the wheels came off. And now, you know, Laz took that personally. To be fair, Laz does play really slow. Um, but I'm just bad at golf. I'm slow because yeah. I hit balls in the woods and I got to find them and whatever. So there's a lot of beef happening right now. A lot of accusations of slow play. A lot of accusations of cheating. But it does seem like this is going to be a regular thing. So I'm just interested to see if this bubbles over. Because are we, you are we expecting two, two say we're expecting it some sort of happy gilmore bob barker on one of the i can keys. see it I, I you know laz is obviously very stubborn you know that from the way he handled the spring training situation yeah tug is quietly very stubborn as well Oh, i know i know tug tug, tug is quietly like tug's mr like you know jim's brother on the office calm cool like he's easy going but then you know you you take you take thirty extra seconds over a putt, and he's like, "You guys play too fucking slow," and you're like, well, "Whoa!" I don't know what he called about, but Tug did call me yesterday, uh, and we played phone tag, and I didn't speak to him. So I'm wondering, Joe, was Tug trying to bring me in the middle of this dirty sports golf beef? Well, it's funny because I am, you know me, like I love I I did this. I'm doing the same thing for Tug. And Laz, as I did for you and Laz on the thing, I'm just like ramping it up, not taking sides, a lot of fire. I, I got hit with a stray bullet on the on your you guys play really slow thing. And I was like, sure. this is a I'm terrible at golf. I play really slow because sometimes the ball goes backwards. Like, what the fuck are we talking about here? You don't want to play with a terrible golfer, don't invite me to go golfing. Yeah. And then and I, so I'm I feel like I'm getting hit with stray bullets. Now Tug's taking shots at me on Instagram. Oh, he plays slow, but he always pays me my winnings quickly. I'm like, you know, I'm only teamed up with Laz because you brought a ringer and decided you and the second best player were going to play together and that he's going to get as many strokes on the round as I am. I was like, this guy's a way better golfer than me. What do you mean we're getting the same amount of strokes? So I think that there's a lot of things going on here. I think Laz is Laz was called out for playing slow. And I think in his heart, he knows he's slow. So much like he was called out for flooding the Arizona house and he knows in his heart, he did flood the Arizona house. He's getting very defensive. I think there's a little bit of uh, tug massaging the gambling every day so that it works out in his favor. I'm like, bro, if I, I, you know, I know there's not a lot of auditions these days. I know indoor dining has been shut down. If you need my $22 and 50 cents, just ask, I'll lend it to you. <laughs> so it's fired. There's there's a lot there's a lot happening and I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get better at golf and I'm getting caught in the crossfire between two white guys with nothing else to do but have golf drama. Well, let me make a recommendation. Here's what I think you should do. 
next time you tug and laz, or if you add a fourth or on the course, and I'm sure you already do this, maybe as a olive branch, crack open a nice cold Miller Lite. Andy, you don't have to tell me. I already know. I literally on, on Monday or is it Tuesday? On Tuesday, we're golfing. And I was like, I'm playing bad. I'm losing money. The only answer for me, I, at the turn, I got four tall boys and Miller Lights. I tried to hand them out to the group. People weren't taking tugs, trying to stay sober during the round and all that stuff. But I was like, guys, nothing brings people together. Nothing brings love together. Like a tall boy of a cold, original light beer. Exactly. Guys, Miller time, great tasting with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However you and your friends are enjoying Miller time, you can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports and the delivery options near you and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. So a lot of the country is being hit with lockdowns and more restrictions if you don't want to leave your residence or wherever you're at this is a perfect way to get miller light and have it delivered directly to you simply go to millerlight.com forward slash dirty sports guys like i've said in the last couple episodes share with us it's one of my favorite things is you guys sharing on social media your enjoyment of miller light if you want to see my enjoyment of miller light on social media uh, from from Tuesday's round with Tug and Laz, I, the, the beef got so heavy that at one point I was like, I'm just going to make a TikTok while I'm here. And maybe that contributed to my slow play. But I made a TikTok of my Miller Lite drinking, my Miller, how my Miller Lite and golf go together. So that's on my TikTok and my Instagram reels. We had a, um, we, yeah, we had a great tweet, Prano, from Nick Kleckner about his man cave, which I retweeted on Dirty Sports. And he has Miller Lite decked out in his man cave, and it truly looks absolutely amazing. And Miller Lite is also, uh, I want you to know, has also taken a, yet another step in, in my golf life. I, I just got a Miller Lite golf towel to hang on my bag. Nice. But every time, every time I get, you know, I'm off, I clean my clubs, pour a little bit. I found this works, by the way, pour a little, just a touch of, the greatest Pilsner ever brewed on your golf head. Use a towel to wipe it off and you just get that crispy golden, you know, just, just pureness in your shots. Yeah. But I want people to share with me on, on social media, their Miller light drinking and enjoying. I also want people to uh, tag at Tug Coker and at Andy Lazarus. I think we need to get what's going on with this beef. Yeah. What's going on with this beef. I think maybe they should come on the show maybe separately at first, maybe together eventually. Again, I mean, technically I'm, I'm uh, teamed with Laz in these golf things. And again, that's probably due to uh, Tug's cheating slash massaging. Um, but I have no side in this. I just want to golf with my friends. I like them both. I think they're both great people. And uh, why they're at uh, two seemingly easygoing guys uh, at odds with one another it's uh it's golf brings out the worst in in white guys 2020 dirty sports beef you know everybody everybody's talking about california like this is the worst thing that i have to deal with in california two well-to-do white men uh with golf beefs i don't know about all this all this socialism but i can tell you one thing 
all these all these super liberal Democrats are at war on the golf course. We call that white privilege, Joe Brano. Yeah, I know. This is it's we should height of white privilege. We should hashtag it privilege beef. Yeah, it's the most privileged beef ever. Um, We are going to cover NFL week. 11 are we at week 11 already yeah are are we are we not talking about uh but but before we do that thank you i i I gotta bring up what i shared with you yesterday so obviously i you know i'm home for now for the first time in a long time to be here for a minute and my aunt who i was at her house yesterday on the other side of town just so people understand and cincinnatians will notice I'm on the east side of town in Anderson. My dad was a west sider. There's, there's always this beef in Cincinnati, like most cities. This is east side and west side of Anderson or east side and west side of the city of Cincinnati? Of the city. My dad grew okay. up in White Oak, which is the okay. west side. So, yeah. like, the west side is historically been stereotyped. Yeah, they've been stereotyped as, like, tougher, more sure. blue-collar, more hardworking. Is uh, it true that your dad used to eat W's on the street? <laughs> Uh, I shouldn't say more hardworking, but like tougher and more blue collar. Uh, that's kind of, you know, the area my dad grew up in. Um, I'm just trying to put things in perspective. Yeah. Uh, this is more white people beefing. <laughs> yeah. More privileged beef. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I was at my aunt's and she's been going on over all this stuff uh, from my ancestors and my grandparents and my great grandparents. And she came across some amazing stuff from my grandfather, Vincent. Now, now you're, what's your aunt's name? Cause I, I, I love to, for, for the people for sure. out there in the bowels of, of Dirty Sports Reddit that are putting together the Reddit family tree. This is your dad's sister. Let me guess, like, is it some like Midwest, like Aunt Dot or something like that? Like Aunt Marilyn. Aunt Marilyn, okay. Yeah. So she's my dad's younger sister uh, by four years. So she's kind of the family historian. How many brothers and sisters did your dad have? Uh, he had four siblings. Okay. So she, she, and my dad was the oldest of five. So she's kind of the historian. She's number three of the five. And uh, I learned yesterday, my, my grandfather, Vincent, uh, what a great name, isn't it, Joe? Vince? Yeah, it's the best. Great name, right? So my grandfather died in 1976. So, you know, he died five years before I was born. Most of my brothers and I never met him. He, he died young. Uh, so which, did, with the bicent- he, he got to the bicentennial and he was like, that's it. 200 years of America. I'm out, bitches. Yeah. So, so my dad, who was really close with, with his dad, Vince, uh, apparently was a giant baseball fan. And he wasn't just a giant baseball fan. Uh, my grandfather played amateur baseball, which was a thing in the 20s and 30s. You have to remember, there wasn't that many professional teams. So he, my, my grandfather was a printer. And he played for the printers union in Cincinnati to the, to the point of they would get write-ups in the Cincinnati Enquirer, which is the main paper here. And I'm reading write-ups from like the twenties and thirties of my grandfather. Like, you know, Vince Ruther had two RBIs. Like it's crazy. And I'm seeing all this stuff and it's pretty awesome. And then my aunt shows me a 1940 mint condition game program. Your grandfather was basically the, the Andy Laz of the day. Got yeah. a men's league baseball team that's getting written up in the paper. Exactly. Cincinnati Reds, Detroit Tigers, 
World Series, and he still has a scorecard in there from 1940. So really cool stuff for me to see, and I had no clue how much he loved baseball. But this was the cool thing, the coolest in my opinion, and I shared this with you. My grandfather wrote former manager Connie Mack a letter to handle a dispute that they had on the amateur baseball field. So to put Connie Mack in perspective, guys, he is if, in the. If you're a baseball fan, you've you've heard the name because anytime they give any sort of managerial statistics ever, the leader is Connie Mack. Whether it's wins, losses, games managed, everything. Like he's always, you're like, he's the uh, you know, he's the Walter Johnson version of managers. Like he just did it forever. Forever. He managed the Philadelphia Athletics at one point for 50 straight years. So like Joe just said, he has the most wins, the most losses, and the most games managed, along with five World Series titles. He also was managing for 50 consecutive years in Philadelphia, which means that in the history of humankind, no one's been called a cocksucker by their <laughs> fans more than Connie Mack. That's a, that's, that's, a, that's a Guinness World Record that'll never be broken. That's the Cal Ripken of stats. Connie Mack in his 50 years as the Philadelphia uh, athletics manager was called a cocksucker over 500 million times. Can you imagine managing one team, especially in Philly, for 50 straight years? It's, it's insane. So anyway, we have this letter where he addressed when he was managing the Philadelphia athletics. And this is what my grandfather, Vincent Ruther, wrote. Dear sir, I would appreciate your kindness if you would settle the following dispute that occurred over an amateur contest. This, re this reads like an old Haas Rayburn <laughs> tweet. It's amazing. The score was three to one in favor of the opponents. It was the seventh inning, man on first and third and one out. What would you advise the batter to do? I say to hit the ball. Others say to bunt. Please explain why you select your answer. Thank you in advance. Yours sincerely, Vincent Ruther. P.S. You will find a self-addressed envelope with this letter. So Connie Mack, the five-time World Series champion manager, writes a short note underneath the letter to my grandfather. Dear Mr. Ruther, only one thing to do. Hit that ball, exclamation point. Connie Mack. That's great. And I got to say, you know, uh, you, uh, Vincent Ruther knows what he's talking about. Connie Mack knows what he's talking about. Who these cunts on the printing team were that you first and third. I mean, we're not talking about first and second. You're trying to get two guys into scoring position. Uh, what, what are they trying? Are they trying to squeeze the guy home? Like, what are you? You're going to bunt a guy over to you're going to bunt a guy over to second base and have like one out. Uh, you know, you have one out left. We well, got got a guy on first and third. A sacrifice scores a run. First of all, a sack fly scores a run. And second of all, you get a hit. You you're you're right back in the same position. I mean, I want to know who this guy was, who who thought they should bunt. Yeah, I need to find these people. Yeah, but I I just love how this is this is like a a, a what you call it a um, NPR podcast waiting to happen like tracking down everybody involved in this letter. Well, what's crazy is the thought of writing this big time manager, and obviously we have social media now, so you'd say you could tweet. But even that, 
you're not tweeting, like you're not getting a response. If I tweet at Aaron Boone and I'm like, hey man, our softball league had blah, blah, blah situation. Mr. Boone, what would you do? First of all, can you try that? Can you just write, dearest sir, this letter comes from, to you from <laughs> Matwitta outside Cincinnati. I, I had a contest with my, the boys from my printing press the other day. It's so I crazy. It. What stinks is there's no date. There's yeah. no date on that, which kind of stinks. But we're assuming, based on my grandfather's age, it was the early 1930s when he wrote him that letter. And uh, apparently he just loved, my grandfather loved baseball. I guess my grandmother used to always joke that she was his second love. His first love was baseball. And I believe their very first date, my grandfather took my grandmother to a Reds game at the old wow. field. Yeah. That's amazing. And just think about this, dude. You eventually threw out a first pitch for the Reds. Like, I mean, how about that for a baseball legacy? Wow, I never thought of that. Your grandfather, your grandfather is looking down. Must have been very proud. Yeah. He's like, I never met this weird glasses wearing freak. <laughs> and his throwing motion is very similar to the days of the guys who were throwing in the 20s. But he, but he chucked himself a strike, and I'm proud of him. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, man. That's that's great perspective. And, and you know, I knew Meanwhile dad, he's sitting next to meanwhile he's sitting next to his friend Daryl, his old printing press teammate, who's like, Bunt! He's like, it's a fucking ceremonial purse pitch, Daryl. You're obsessed with the bunt. I already showed you Connie Mac's letter. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Did you ever write anybody letters, Joe? Because I know I did and I got responses, like athletes or anybody. I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't really my thing. I think, I think maybe at one point I did or something like that. And we got like, we got some signed cards back, but I think maybe we did it once. I got to show you. I think I've told you, I got that John Franco signed card. Love it. That, that I, my dad sent in the mail for me and Franco returned it signed like a year later. One, one of the most underrated players of all time. Yeah. He was great. And that trade yeah. worked out for great team for both teams. The Randy Myers trade, light, light, lights out for the Mets as a closer was was fantastic. And then New York, he much like Obi Toppin, he was just so excited to return to New York. His dad was a New York sanitation worker. He used to wear a a New York orange New York sanitation shirt under his jersey. Which just thank God that the New York sanitation department uses orange, or else it would have been some sort of illegal <laughs> illegal jersey. But it's great. Funny you bring I, used that to up. Have a, I, I used to have a New York sanitation t-shirt that had Franco on the back. Oh, nice. Who, like who, when you're growing up, give me, give me Joe Prano's favorite New York Met age, like eight to 10. Well, eight to 10. I mean, honestly, that was like the, you know, that's the beginning of becoming a psycho baseball fan. Yeah. And sure. And my guy, my guy, because they he had all the hype. He's going to be the next great thing. He's he's going to be the best hitter of all time. Was Greg Jeffries? Oh yeah. I got I got an SSK one piece web with the dimples like Greg Jeffries. I wore number nine because of Greg Jeffries. I loved Greg Jeffries. I tried to switch hit. They you know he was supposed to be like the next great hitter. He came up. He was awesome in like a you know an end of the year call up. 
and they thought he was going to be the future. He couldn't feel the position. He was, he was the original Daniel Murphy. We couldn't find a position where he worked. He like came up, he was a shortstop originally. They tried to move him to second. They tried to move him to third. They moved him all around. Eventually he obviously gets, he gets traded and he gets moved to the outfield for teams. He was, he was a great hitter. There was a time where I'm sure the record's been long broken now, but it was, I forget if he was the youngest or the fastest to a thousand hits, but a defensive liability. I think he was like a one or two time all-star with like St. Louis and, and Philly. Um, but he was, he was like my original guy. Well, actually probably my original original is, is Carter loved Carter. And then, and then, but like when I went full hype, like I wore, I wore nine in high school wow. still that because I started wearing nine when I was a kid for Greg Jeffries. Yeah. I can see that. I, I remember having a bunch of his cards. Yeah. I remember having his, am I correct in this? The 1988 Donruss rated rookie, Greg Jeffries. Yeah, I'm sure. That's right around the time he was. You want to hear he something? Up, he came up in the end of 88. For yeah. Minutes. You want to hear something crazy? Talk about a small world. So I'm going through my old baseball cards the other day. And I forgot that I collected Michael Jordan cards. I know I've said this on the show. I have like so many Michael Jordan basketball cards. But I forgot also I had all these other cards. So I have Andre Dawson's rookie card, right? And uh, I remember back then it was worth something. And obviously he made the Hall of Fame. But it was one of those rookie cards that had like four guys on it. Yeah. Like the new stars. I, think, I believe it's 1977. One of those rookies on that card is an outfielder. Andy Lazarus. Connie <laughs> <laughs> Mack. Not saying Andy he, Lazarus. He was 120 I'm not years old. <laughs> I'm not saying Laz is 60, but I'm not, not saying that. One of the outfielders on that card, there was four players in the card, was Gene Richards, who was a rookie for the San Diego Padres. He ended up playing seven years uh, in Major League Baseball. And I didn't know this, that, I, that he was on that card until last week. Here's what's crazy. Gene Your Richard, grandfather wrote him a letter. <laughs> no. Gene Richards? Dearest Gene, <laughs> I wonder why your name is a woman's name. Please advise. Kindly, Vincent Rutha. <laughs> Gene, son, was my roommate and friend in Las Vegas, and then he moved to LA wow. with me. So here I am looking wow. at this card the other day, saying, "Wait," and he was called Trey. He was the third, so they just called him Trey. Yeah. So I'm looking at this card there and going, "Wait, Trey's dad's on this card, and I've owned this card for 30 years." Like, yeah, I lit like. Mind blow emoji. So much going on there, man. I don't know. I, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying going through stuff that I haven't seen in 20 plus years at the house. Now, I know you said you're a, you're a Michael Jordan collector. Do you have a Jordan rookie card? No, I wish. They're, they're, they get a pretty penny these days, especially if they're in mint condition. I wonder what cards, because before Jeter blew up, I have a ton of his rookie, like the very, very, very first Jeter card. I believe it's an upper deck. I don't know. I got like five or six of them. By the way, I'm, I'm smiling. I'm laughing because when I say, <laughs> when I say upper deck, I'm thinking of your brother. <laughs> Mikey, Mikey is a huge fan of the upper decker. <laughs> I don't know why it's 
so funny to me. I haven't seen those baseball cards in so long. Now I just think of taking a crap, lifting off the top of the toilet, and I just think of your. <laughs> Who I mean, you... the amount the the amount of times I've come into a room and seen Mikey with the lid off the toilet, sitting on it, drunk, and being like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's just so drunk that he thinks that's how toilets work, or if he is trying to upper deck these people. Your brother's basically my age, right? Yeah. He texted us the other day that I should upper deck somebody, and it's like, bro, I'm like 39. Like what? Like yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not giving people upper decks now. Yeah. <laughs> is it upper deck or upper decker? Upper decker. Yeah. I left oh. an upper decker. Classic. You want to get it, to- it used to, it used to be upper deck, but then they got sued by the card company. They're like, <laughs> I heard like I you heard, guys need to change this to upper decker. I heard, I heard my grandpa Vincent Ruther wrote Connie Mack. Is the baseball card company named after? I need you to clarify for the printers union. We had a discussion in the dugout. Yeah, the the the, the first baseman on our local <laughs> men's league team, Ezekiel, took a shit in the upper portion of an outhouse yesterday. And we were wondering if you in major league circles refer to that as an upper decker or, or just an upper deck. Regards from oh, the west side of Cincinnati, yours in baseball love forever, Mr. Vincent Ruther I. Oh, fuck. Before we move on to basketball, since we were just talking baseball, we got to do one more baseball basketball, talk. I mean football. Uh, football, sorry. Yeah. We got to do one more baseball. Uh, speaking of my New York teams, Robinson Cano has been busted for steroids for performance enhancing drugs for the second time in his career, which means a full year of uh, suspension. He has two years at 20. Four million dollars left, I think. 21, 24, somewhere between 21 and 24. It's either 21 or 24 million left for the Mets. The Mets will get relief in that number. Like they they basically they don't have to pay him. So he forfeits his entire salary. He's out a whole year. Does he retire? Does he come back and try to get that 21 million? But I just want to throw out my first Steve Cohen conspiracy theory. Steve Cohen. Uh, first of all, somebody tweeted at Steve Cohen, uh, like, what are the Mets going to do with that money? And somebody was like, how about bullpen carts? And Steve Cohen was like, how about players? The bullpen cart can wait, which first of all, boss ass response. Um, but second of all, Steve Cohen is supposedly the guy that, uh, billions, the character in billions is based on, um, so I don't know. You're, you haven't watched Billions. I haven't, but I'm familiar with the show. You should. So in Billions, he's the guy uh, is always working some angle. Like he'll 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 use all kinds of shell companies and like th- all kinds of devious shit to get like things done. My this is my first Steve Cohen, aka Billions Mets conspiracy. Does Steve Cohen have some sort of shadow ownership stake? in this drug testing company and pays somebody off to basically corrupt Robinson Cano's test sample so that they don't have to pay. They don't have to pay him $24 million to play. I mean, the Mets desperately don't want to pay 
Robinson Cano. But then when you are paying a guy, there's this pressure to play him. The Mets are better with Robinson Cano literally just like gone and off the books. And it just magically happens. Steve Cohen takes over the team and magically Robinson Cano is gone for a year, maybe forever. I'm not saying this, but I'm just saying whenever you see Mets news from here on out and you watch Billions, just try to connect the dots because I think there's a lot happening here. And I'm not saying that for sure happened, but I'm not saying for sure it didn't happen. Because hallelujah, Robinson Cano gone for the year and we get the money back? Fuck. Congratulations to Jeff McNeil, the deserved and now official, hopefully starting second baseman of the New York Mets every day. Well, on that note, Prano, I think we got to get to these NFL picks for week 11. And as always, our weekly picks are brought to you by our friends at Game Theory Picks, who provide profitable sports betting advice at an affordable, pl- uh, affordable price. Subscription options include weekly, monthly, and yearly. Dirtballs, listen to this. Since sports have returned at the end of July, Game Theory clients have profited in five straight months. A $50 per play better is up $1,900. And no, that is not a typo. They've won almost two grand by following the advice of Game Theory Picks. Guys, Game Theory Picks is offering a limited time deal to all the dirt balls right now. You get five weeks of plays for every sport for just $50. Simply visit GameTheoryPicks.com and use promo code DIRTY to unlock this deal now. Once again, that's GameTheoryPicks.com and use promo code DIRTY to get five weeks of plays for just $50. Okay. I've said this, I've said this uh, the last time we did Game Theory Picks, uh, and add, and I'm going to say it again, these guys crush college football. I'm not much of a college football fan. I don't know if you guys are. I know a lot of people love to bet college football. If you want to make money betting college football, the idea of not spending 40 bucks on Game Theory Picks is reckless. Yeah. All right, Joe, I'm really excited about tonight's first game. We have I know you are. Cardinals, Seahawks. Yeah. I will we be ro- of, We have one of the front runners in the MVP conversation taking on Russell Wilson. I mean, this is exciting. I don't appreciate that diss right there. We have two six and three teams who had a wild game just a few weeks ago in Arizona where the Cardinals won. We've got Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they're back at it again, this time in Seattle, where the Seahawks are three-point favorites. It's come down a little bit. I know it started at three and a half. Might have even started at four in some places. It's come down. Um, I'm actually surprised that the Seahawks were as big a favorite as they were. I mean, I, I know it's in Seattle, but obviously you don't have the 12th man. Um Everything about this game to me tells me that it's a letdown game for uh, the Cardinals. Big, uh, you know, comeback win, obviously. They've already beat the Seahawks once. Um, I, I really would have liked this game to be one and a half, two, two and a half, and it made me feel a lot more comfortable. Three's a push, though, so I'm going to take the Seahawks. I just think – I actually will be straight – I think that the Cardinals are a better team. Um, but – like, I, I think that this division is going to be determined on games like the, on these, on the round robin between Seattle and Arizona and Los Angeles. And um, 
I feel like it's going to come down to the, the wire. And I feel like a win for the Cardinals here gives them a nice cushion because they obviously have then the, the two-game tiebreaker yeah. against Seattle. Um, everything to me tells me it's a letdown game for the Cardinals, though. I'm going to go with Seattle. Well, I've paid close attention this week. I, I, I've liked that both Pete Carroll and uh, Schottenheimer have openly been critical of Russell, which, which is like – I think he needs to hear that as the star quarterback. But, like, a lot of times they don't do that, but he's got to make better decisions. He knows that. He's not playing his best football. He's been critical of himself. I think he knows he has to play better. Um, I think it's going to be a real tight game. To me, it's a big toss-up. I'm going to go with the Seahawks probably to push at that three, but win and maybe cover. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think, I think experience here shows if, if the Cardinals sweep this series, this is to me a huge leap forward for not just Kyler Murray, but for Cliff Kingsbury as a coach and for the future of the Cardinals. I just don't know if they're just there right now. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to be rooting hard for the Cardinals. I like to see the Cardinals playing well. They're a fun team. Um, I, I think that they're more talented. But, yeah, I think, I think it's experience, and I just think it's, um, you know, not wanting to get swept, basically. And, I, and, again, I think it's all the excitement of the Hail Mary. And, and this week has, for the Cardinals has probably just been basking in that as opposed to prepping for Seattle. Um, Go, go Cardinals, but I, I think your Seahawks uh, get it. And basically the critical, the, the, the Carroll and Schottenheimer being critical, I don't want to say that they're telling the world, hey, we let the guy cook and he burned down the kitchen. But, uh, but he didn't. So, I, like, 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 I mean, do not do this to me. He, he's like – He's a Swedish chef at this point. He's had He's had nine games. Because they're because they're running backs, they're, all their running backs are out. They can't do the first down run, the play action, it all goes out the window. Joe, hey, if you've actually we'll watched we'll them see. this year, hold on, hold on. Yeah. If you've actually watched them this year, they, when they had Carson and when they had uh well, I'm forgetting the other guy from Ohio State who's hurt. Um anyway, I'm forgetting their other guy, uh, who played at Ohio State. Anyway. When they've had their starting running backs, they were still right, they were still passing on first down. This all went to shit in the last two weeks. Overall, Russ has still had a great year. It's nine games. He's had three bad games. I will defend him. Moving on, Joe. Eagles travel to Browns, where Cleveland are the Browns are three-point favorites at home. I'm gonna go Browns win and cover. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm saying the Browns are gonna go to seven wins. I can't believe I'm doing it either, but I'm going to agree with you. A lot of people are on the Browns are overrated, which I think that they are. I think that the Browns absolutely are overrated. I think this will be a good game, um, but I think the Browns win and cover because I actually think, and I think the majority of people think the Eagles are really bad. And I'll say this. I think the Eagles are still overrated. I think the Eagles are a dumpster fire. I know there's a lot of injuries, but I just think Wentz, I've never seen a regression like Wentz, to be totally honest with you. Um, and I just think Peterson has been exposed as a, as a guy who, you know, got hot at a blackjack table. And then they changed the, de you know, then the, the deck ran out. And this new shoe 
has been the last couple seasons of him just, you know, doubling down uh, with, with 14. I just don't know what he's doing. Uh, I think that they're overrated. Uh, I think that the Browns are overrated as well, but I just think that the Browns with the running game, I mean, if the Giants can run the ball effectively against the Eagles with, uh, you know, an O-line that's, you know, makeshift and Wayne Gallman, what are the Browns going to do with the two-headed monster back there? I yeah. just think the Browns run the ball down their throat and win. Yeah. All right. So moving on, NFC don't, South. Don't let Baker cook. <laughs> yeah. Falcons travel to New Orleans where it's the Jameis show. After Breeze, it was revealed Breeze had two – he had, what, broken ribs and a collapsed lung, which sounds yeah. pretty intense. So it's the Jameis show. New Orleans is five-point favorites. I think we're both all over this. I'm going with the Falcons to cover. Uh, Jameis Winston is starting a quarterback. For that reason, I'm out. Uh, I'm going Atlanta. I just, like, to me, the New Orleans Saints are a super talented team. And I know that the, you know, they've, they've sort of put an expiration clock on Drew Brees. And he only throws the ball five yards downfield and blah, blah, blah. blah. But I think, I think there is, um, you know, a method to their madness, which is you don't need, if you have all this talent and, and you've got a good game plan, you don't need to stretch the field. You don't need to do all that just to win games. Um, I just think that Jameis Winston turns the ball over a couple times and I, I, I can see the Saints losing this game. There's a lot of value in that five and a half points. Look at that money line, guys. I haven't looked at it yet, but five. We'll, but we'll take a look at it. What's that? Five. Okay. What's the money line? Do you have it there? It's uh, let me pull it up. Hold on. I not, by the way, I, I don't disagree with that assessment that I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Atlanta won. Money line, it's no, nah, it's not as good as you think. Plus one ninety. They love to do this lately. They love to they love to dumb down our money lines for us. It's like, guys, how is it five and five points and one ninety? Yeah, I'll still bet it. I'm really excited for this game, though, Joe. For real, like, like I'm excited to see Jameis start in division against the team that always gives them trouble. Even when the Falcons are dog shit, they always give the Saints trouble. I'm really excited to see. And the truth is, I want Jameis to eat shit. Like, you know, like I don't normally want people to do bad, but like I, I enjoy watching Jameis do bad because of our our guy, Jameis One One. Yeah, me too. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm still pulling. I, so I have this, I have this small, like, I know it's an inkling. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but like, there's a little bit of me that really wants the saints to win the division because I'm looking for one very particular thing to line up to happen perfectly. The saints win the division. The Rams are the top or sorry, not the Rams. The, the bucks are the top wildcard team. The Bucks and Tom Brady oh, wow. have to go on the road to a six and ten Giants team in the playoffs. Let's go! Unbelievable. All right, the Bengals travel to DC, where Washington is a point and a half favorite. I am going to. I'm going to go Bengals. The Bengals travel to DC, where the 
where the football team is a one and a half point favorite. Yeah. I'm going with the Bengals to win the game. Yeah, me too. Straight up win. All right. Moving right along. The Lions are traveling to Carolina where they are. Is this one not on? Right now we have Carolina at minus one and a half. Who is starting a quarterback for Carolina? I don't know. Is Bridgewater healthy and playing? I'm not sure. This is what I come to you for, Andy. Well, I'll look it up. That's why we're here. Yeah. Christian, uh, McCaffrey, is not, Christian McCaffrey is not playing. Stafford and Bridgewater are still up in the air. Okay. So I guess that's what makes the line on. Yeah. Uh, what What is the line here? I'm looking at one that's minus one and a half Panthers. Um, God, it's tough because the Panthers do play a lot of, but like Panthers really let me down last week against the Bucks. I think maybe the, uh, the Panthers have run out of steam on being the everybody's favorite underdog. I'm going to go with the lions. All right. I'm going to go with the Panthers. Steelers travel to Jacksonville where they are 10 point favorites. I'm going to go Steelers win and cover. Steelers play a lot of close games. They do. In, in the history of the NFL, I'd love to know when teams get to a certain point undefeated and they, lo- and they eventually lose a game, what percentage of those games are the teams that they're like highly favored over? I feel like it happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take the Jaguars to cover. I think, it's, I, think it's, I think they keep it close. All right. This next one is pretty crazy, in my opinion. Titans at Ravens. Ravens are five-and-a-half-point favorites? I think, I think at this point people believe that the Titans are not good, uh, that they're sneaky, not a good team, that their defense isn't what it used to be, that uh, – you know, they've lost a bit of that. I, my argument and back to that would be that if, if that's your, if that's your analysis of the Titans, doesn't that go for the Ravens as well? Uh, so for me, it's too high. I'll go with the Titans. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Titans as well. And, another, and where is this game being played? It's play, being played in Baltimore. Another point I would say is guys, the Titans were a good team last year. They went nine and seven. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. They made yeah. it to the AFC Championship. They still were only nine and seven. So at yeah. six and three, they're basically on that pace as they were last year. Obviously, they I'm going to go one step further. You think the Titans can win the game or Titans will win, win the game? Titans win the game. I'm going to say it right now. They're going to win the game. That money line is also 210. Mm, I like that too. Yeah. See a little money line parlay this week, guys. A little preview. Maybe we. Maybe that's, I keep sleeping in on Sundays and not getting my Instagram picks up, which is terrible for the fans because it seems like whenever I do put my picks up, I don't know if, I, is this the only thing in my life I've never been clutch at? It's like every time I do get my picks up, I, I choke. Every time I don't, me, most, and, my, me and game theory picks are making arrogant, dough. Most arrogant statement ever. Is this the only thing in my life I've never been clutch at? 
That and shooting free throws was terrible at clutch free throws. Terrible. I was the LeBron James of shooting free throws down the stretch. Now he's comparing himself I to bet LeBron you I was, James. I, I bet you I was a 50% free throw shooter in the last two minutes of a basketball game. See, I'm white. I always worked on that, Joe. All right. The Patriots travel to – or do they travel? Yes, the Patriots travel to Houston where they are two-point favorites. The Patriots going to pull back to 500 with a win? I think, I think they are. I like, I, like, I like Bill Belichick in the locker room when they have a chance. I think that the Texans are hot garbage. I think Deshaun – like, what – free Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I think Bill O'Brien's days are numbered. This will be his last year as a coach. Bill All O'Brien's right. already been fired. Yeah. Bill O'Brien's donezo. All right, upset alert. Andy, Andy Ruther's Andy, – Andy, Bill O'Brien's already been fired. What's up? Bill O'Brien's already been fired. Oh, yeah. Forgot. Sorry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bill, O'Brien's lo- Bill O'Brien's long gone, dog. I just say Bill O'Brien's days. Romeo Cornell and his massive Cardi B boob have taken over. Yeah, yeah. You literally titled an episode that. Bro, I got to stop eating all this Midwest food. It's destroying my brain. Yeah. I've been saying that for, to everybody who listen for years. I, the, you, you know the, what I love? Two, it's not, forget the two for 20. How about the two for dementia? You know what I love? I said that just so like matter of fact, and then you're like, no, dude, he's been fired, and I just kept going on. And you're like, you're like, I know, these days are numbered. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> yeah, and the, the number is minus 60. He got fired two months ago. Unbelievable. Well, here's my upset pick of the week. Dolphins travel to Denver. That was your – by the way, that was your Stephen A. Smith fucking what – was, what was his uh, – uh, the, the which which of end. the Chargers tight end did he Hunter Henry? Is it Hunter, Hunter Henry? Henry? That was your Stephen yeah. A. Smith, Hunter Henry moment. Yeah. I think the Chargers upset <laughs> this game because Hunter Henry comes out and throws for 350 yards and five touchdowns. And they're like, uh, Stephen A., Hunter Henry – has been out the entire year and is a tight end. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry. What do you want from me? I cover basketball. I cover baseball. I cover college basketball. I cover boxing. I cover UFC. I do two radio shows. I do a YouTube show. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I got a Facebook page I got to manage. I also do all the grocery shopping at my house <laughs> and drive my kids to school. And I'm supposed to know Hunter Henry is not the starting quarterback of the San Diego Chargers. Uh, they moved to Los Angeles. How am I supposed to keep up with this? <laughs> what do you think, Joe? I think my upset pick of the week is the Broncos who are three-and-a-half-point dogs at home against the Dolphins. Is Tua going to start 4-0? I say no. Broncos win. Uh, I don't know if I like them upsetting. I like it being a close game, though. Uh, I'll take – I could see the Broncos winning, and they say don't don't pick a dog to cover unless you think they can win. I think they can win. I don't think they do win. I think the Broncos – or the Dolphins do start 4-0. I think the Dolphins' defense is pretty damn good. Um, and it becomes two mania. This is It's like Lynn Sanity. All right. Jets, Chargers at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. Chargers, this is how bad the Jets are. The two and seven Chargers are nine point favorites. Wow. Jets. Wow. I too think big. Yeah, too big. I'll go with the Jets. You Flacco. see that? I'm sure you saw the new haircut for Justin Herbert. 
I did not. You did not see it? No. How am I supposed to keep up with people doing their hairstyles? Justin. I painted my house last week. It's the autumn. I clean my gutters. I got the NBA draft. I'm golfing with Tug and Laz. <laughs> Tons of golf beef happening. It's, I got to do Christmas shopping with my I'm supposed to keep up with hairstyles? You got to look this up, man. Justin Herbert. Justin like a, Herbert haircut? Justin Cur- Herbert got a buzz haircut. And he, all the jokes were that he was 14. He looks even younger. And like the poor guy, like we said, you know, he's got basically acne, which a lot of us wow. had. So between like the acne and the haircut, he looks like he's in high school. Didn't he, he, looks like he, he looks like he just enlisted in the Marines. Yeah, there's that too. He looks, he looks exactly like a guy who's got like his long hair and his acne. And they're like, are you ready to die for your country, son? Well, first you need a fucking haircut. <laughs> He looks like every extra in Jarhead. <laughs> yeah, right? Pete Berg's about to cast him in a, a movie about a guy who, like, broke his leg and still escaped Afghanistan. Like, he just walked off the set of Apocalypse Now. Yeah. He looks like the starting quarterback in Friday Night Lights, uh, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we're both going with the Jets to cover there. Packers-Colts in Indy. Indy's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to say Packers win and cover. Packers win and cover. Aaron Rodgers likes to indoors. And, I mean, I think the culture – I think this is like – you know, a lot of people are kind of sleeping on this game. I think this is a good game, and it is a good test for both teams. We said this about uh, Colts-Titans last week, but obviously everything, ha- everything gets wonky on a Thursday. I think being um, a Sunday football game – with the Packers on the road specifically, I think this is a bigger uh, test. You know, it's a bigger, like, show-off game for the Packers than it is the Colts. But if you flip-flop it, you could say the same thing. Like, if the Packers can go on the road and win this game, I think it, it bodes well for what the Packers are. Now, at, at the same time, if the Colts can defend home field here and win this game, I think it tells us a lot about the Colts. This is a big game. I like this game. I agree. Go Pack and- Go. And I hope – I don't know who's doing this game. It's on Fox. But I hope Buck and Aikman are doing this game versus the next one, which is Cowboys-Vikings. But I'm sure they put those guys on this one because they always give the goddamn Cowboys uh, the A-team for announcing. Yeah. Seven-point Vikings favorites at, favorites at home. The Vikings are reeling off, reeling off a bunch of wins. They want a tough one. Your boy Kirk Cousins finally got a Monday night football win. Uh, against the Bears in a very ugly game. Yeah. Seven points is a lot. And then again, the Cowboys are kind of a dumpster fire. I'm going to go with Vikings. I'm going to go with Vikings as well. I like. I kind of like the Cowboys maybe making it close because they're coming off a bye and they've gotten a chance to get, get this kid some reps. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Vikings as well. All right, and your COVID-19 game of the week – The Chiefs travel to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. As of yesterday, eight guys, I believe, on defense were in the COVID protocol, whatever that means at this point. Chiefs are eight-point favorites on the road. They got waxed earlier in the year at home against the Raiders, but it seems like they might be missing a bunch of guys. Revenge game. Mahomes, you know, taking control of the MVP race. Uh, I, I'll take the Chiefs to cover. Yeah. 
All right, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Bet, I, I would say I would say my advice is if you're if you're thinking about betting this game, bet it now before it goes up. Yeah, I mean, it's already probably gone up, but like you know, if they if they mark any of those guys out. Yeah. Well, I would say you know the Chiefs. That is that is that Monday night football or that's Sunday night football? Sunday night football. Got it. I'd say the Chiefs don't cover if they're starting defense, but then again, the line probably wouldn't be eight as well either. So right. uh, I'm going to go. And, I, and actually I think that she, I think, I think a revenge game, I think the chiefs being eight and one right now, correct. They're eight and one. Correct. Yeah. I think, I think that they're, they're probably upset that they're not an undefeated team and that that L was to a division rival Raiders. I think they come out and they smoke them. All right. And I love, and I love the Raiders. Don't get me wrong. Monday Night Football, Rams travel to Tampa Bay. Bucks are four-point favorites. I'm going to go with Bucks win and cover. I'm going to go with the Rams to cover. West to East makes me think that this, uh, that this game rightfully favors the Bucks. Um, but if there's one thing the Rams can do, it's pressure. I mean, Aaron Donald's a beast. Um, they've got to get pressure on Tom Brady. Tom Brady, not great under pressure. I think it's a close game. I think it's a field goal game. I'm going to take the Rams. All right. Week 11 picks. Dirtballs, if you want to leave a call on our hotline, we're not going to do calls, but the hotline is 310-359-8365. Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at The Dirty Sports. Drop us an iTunes review. And if you leave a social media handle, I'll get you two free Dirty Sports koozies in the mail. Now, Andy, you previewed on the rundown only one call on, and that was regarding the Mandalorian and Subway. We could save it for another episode, but you just got to tell me, like, give me, give me a little taste. Was this pro or anti my Subway Mandalorian takes? I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna tease it. I'm gonna oh, tease man. it. I, I, I'm I, like, I, I've got to say it's in defense of me. I've got to guess it's in defense of me simply because. Somebody can't have such bad taste that they enjoy both the Mandalorian and Subway, right? You'll see. Again, guys, I want to hear your takes. 310-359-8365. Call the hotline. I'll play, how about this, Joe? I'll play it for you when we're off air so you can hear it. And then you can, okay. you can get your thoughts ready for next episode. Well, I, no, no, I don't want that. I want to save, I want to save my – I like having a, an honest reaction on air. Okay. All right. But, Perfect. But uh, – but follow me on social media at Joe Prano on Instagram at Fix Your Life on on uh, Twitter um, at the Dirty Sports on Twitter. Tag me and Dirty Sports and Andy Lazarus and Tug Coker. I want. I, I need to hear. I need some social media chatter between these guys. I need to get. I actually am there and part of it, and I don't know what the beef is, but there is beef. You have beef, and. Uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. I uh, am putting up a lot of golf content on TikTok. So follow me on TikTok, at Joe Prano. It's no longer run by Communist China. Uh, I think Alex Bresler bought it himself. Um, so, yeah, that's where, that's where we're at. All right, Dirtballs. Have a great week. Be safe, as always. And you know what to do, and that is stay dirty.